Hey, good morning, everyone. Pastor Tim here at Faith Community, wishing you and your family well in this season. And you know how good it is that we can gather here for worship today. I hope you are sensing the presence of God in your life and you are really just blessed today and that it is well with your soul. Especially on this Memorial Day weekend, we have so much to celebrate and so much to give thanks for. And you know, in this season, that is the unofficial kickoff to summer, we begin it here with this uh, uh, reflection and our time of remembrance on those who have sacrificed, those who have given it all. And we are so thankful. I am thankful to all of you, many of you veterans out there that have sacrificed and fought for freedom. And uh, what a blessing you are, and we give you thanks. And, and in this season, I'm thinking about battles. I, I think about those battles that we face and have faced throughout time. I think even those ancient battles like Tours and Marathon. I, I think about the uh, revolution, the American Revolution, and I think about Yorktown and, and Bunker Hill. I think about the Civil War in America and Gettysburg and Antietam. Antietam, that was one of the bloodiest battles that we've ever fought. Some 23,000 Americans either died or were majorly wounded. I think about all those other battles in life, the Korean battles, the Vietnam battles. I think about the great battles of World War II, everything from D-Day to Midway, even to the Battle of the Bulge. And, you know, probably people are still fighting the Battle of the Bulge, aren't we, here in this pandemic? There's even that future battle the Bible talks about in Megiddo. There, the battle of Armageddon in those last days. And I was very privileged here at the first of the year to stand on that precipice and look out at this vast valley. And here the Bible says is where this incredible battle is going to be fought. Well, today I want us to think about those personal battles that we fight in life. Now, I know there's a lot of battles that we could talk about today. There's the battle against terrorism. There's the cultural strife. There's the battle for freedom. There's really the battle for injustice. But I want us to consider the battles that are inside of us, the battles that we wage in our heart and right in our soul. We fight them every day. And the fact is that life is a battle. Uh, nobody said life was going to be easy, and life is not a party or picnic. And why is that? It is the fact that we live in a broken world. And anything in life worthwhile, you're going to have to fight for it. If you want good health, friends, you got to fight for it. You don't just have it automatically. You don't wake up one of these mornings with a six-pack. I mean, you fight for it. You have to exercise. You have to eat right. You have to get plenty of rest. You have to do the things that you need to do to keep your body well. Uh, if you want a great marriage, you have to fight for it. If you want your kids to succeed, you got to fight for it. If you want balance in your life, you have to fight for it. You can't allow your calendar to control you, but you got to command your calendar. And, and there's even that battle between what's okay and what is really best. There's lots of things in this season that we could be doing that are not wrong, they're not sinful, but are they really the best for you? I'll never forget a class, a, a seminar that I took one time from Ellsworth Callis. 
And I know many of you appreciate Ellsworth, and he's even been here, I understand, in years past to our church. He's now deceased, but I remember him telling the story of how he picked up, I believe it was E. Stanley Jones at an airport when he was much younger in his ministry, and he asked Mr. Jones, he said, have you read any good books lately? And he said, good books? Well, if I only read the good books, I wouldn't have time for the great books. It isn't that really true in life. There are so many things that we could do that aren't really bad, but what are the good things? What is really the will of God for ourselves? And we battle this kind, of, uh, this kind of way in our discipleship all the time, the battle between despair and hope, fear and faith, stress and serenity, even that cosmic battle out there between good and the forces of evil. In fact, the Bible says a lot about the personal battles that we go through. In fact, the second most used analogy in the scripture for us in our walk of faith as disciples is this term soldier. First is athlete, second is soldier. And the Bible uses words to describe our pathway in following Christ, words like fight and conquer and battle and strive and war and overcome and victory. And these are warlike terms. There's an entire book about fighting there in the Bible. It's called the book of Joshua. And you can go and turn to it. And one of the things I even note there, even though that God promised the Israelites the promised land, they still had to strive for it. They still had to work at it, and they had to fight. And so the question I have for you here this morning is, what are you fighting for? How well are you fighting? Are you using the weapons, the tools that God has given to you well? Well, we're in this season I'm calling a season with the Psalms. And, you know, throughout the centuries, we believers have really appreciated the New Testament. In fact, Almost always we turn to those pages of the New Testament, we stand in awe of the miracles that Jesus performed. We stand in awe of all of these incredible healings that take place. And of course, the way that Jesus went to the cross, the Son of God, he died for our sins and was resurrected. We stand in awe of the early church. And here we find in these pages in the New Testament, this recording of how the early church was thriving, how it was flourishing, how it was reaching people with the gospel, and we stand in awe of that. And the New Testament is this record of the early church. And if used at all, the Old Testament is kind of in that John the Baptist mode. It's kind of in that precursor mode. But there's something about these Psalms that has been recognized as, as being something that we really find deep that touches our soul. And you know, publishing companies have caught on to this, so much so that you can buy a New Testament today, and oftentimes it'll have the Psalms kind of bound with it. And I doubt very seriously if the folks down at Cokesbury, down at Abingdon, or up at Grand Rapids, at, uh, you know, Harper Collins, or, or at Thomas Nelson, I, I doubt very seriously that they're having these nightly debates of whether they ought to bound in with our New Testament, the book of Amos or the book of Obadiah. No, because there's something about these psalms. We Christians have really appropriated these psalms as our own. And I believe it's because these psalms characteristically are prayers, and they touch deeply into the human heart. They speak to our soul. They give us strength. They give us hope. They give us guidance. And I challenge you in these days to really, really 
dive deep into the Psalms because it can comfort your heart. It can soothe your soul. It can help you to soar even in the middle of this pandemic that we find ourselves in. And so as uh, we've heard the scripture today, this, this touched my heart a few weeks ago, Psalm 35. Uh, Lord, battle, battle those who battle with me. Fight those, there it says in Psalm 35, who fight against me. You know, a couple of times in the Bible, we find these words here, fight the good fight of faith. And you know, I find if God tells you to do something and twice, you better take heed. You better listen to what God is saying. What does it mean to fight the good fight of faith? What attitudes should we have in life, in our walk of faith? Now, Apostle Paul says, I'm going to fight to win. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just punching air. I'm not just messing around and wasting my life. No, I am in this to win it. I fight to win. In this season, we need to have that kind of mindset. In this walk of faith, we're to have that kind of attitude, that kind of tenacity. This is not a battle against people. It's not a battle against any kind of ideology, but in essence, it's a battle that is within. Now, Paul also says in the Bible, we're not fighting against human beings there in Ephesians chapter 6. We're fighting against spiritual forces. We're fighting against the powers of darkness. And Paul is saying this world here, uh, we don't see everything. There's that supernatural element and there are powers that are fighting against us. And if we're not fighting back, we're just going to give in. It's just going to take over. And if you're not fighting back, notice here it says powers of darkness. You know, it can overtake us. And I know today that I don't want us to fall into a Star Wars mentality. I don't want us to have a Star Trek kind of theology here today. But I think it is something that we find throughout the scripture that we take need to take note of. And these battles here that we wage in discipleship, my friends, are real. It's a struggle between good and bad. And not everything you intend to do, you always end up doing. It, there's this constant war between our old nature and our new nature, between what we want to do that pleases us, the path of least resistance, and, and what we need to do that God wants us to do. I, I remember that famous story of that Indian chief, that Cherokee chief that was talking and he said, you know, I have this war going on in my mind and it's like these two dogs fighting. And one in the tribe said, well, well, who wins this fight? And he said, it's the dog that I feed the most. And that's so true. You're either feeding your dark side or you're feeding your good side. And the things that, you know, are right versus the things that you want to do that are wrong. And whatever you feed, that dog the most is the one that's going to end and win that fight. Now, the Bible describes the civil war that we encounter so well in the book of Romans chapter 7. If you haven't read Romans chapter 7, I encourage you to do that this afternoon because Paul is being very vulnerable. Paul here is really sharing from his heart. And he says here, I want to do God's will here in chapter 7, as far as my new nature is concerned. But he said, there's something else deep within me, my old nature as at war in my mind, and wrestling here, if you will, with my heart. And it, it sometimes wins the fight. It makes me a slave to sin. That is the slave to our compulsions, our, our bad habits, our hang-ups. It's still within me. 
It's our good intentions versus the bad actions. And this war goes on all the time. And, you know, as with any war, there's a whole lot of battles. And let me just talk and give you some examples today of the kind of battles that happen in the life of a Christian disciple these days. One, for instance, is the battle between selfishness and unselfishness. Selfishness and unselfishness. Now, if you look at that slide that you find there today, you, you see that there's this kind of keeping the hamburger, keeping the food to myself, and you know there's been this tug of war over toilet paper and over bounty towels and, and things like that where people go and they hoard and we don't think of other people. And really we would think about the life of discipleship is really a movement from being selfish to being, uh, you know, unselfish. Uh, this is a daily conflict I find that happens thousands of times in our walk of faith. You have to decide, are you going to live for yourself or are you going to live for God? Uh, the Lord says to love other people, to love our neighbors, and you have to decide if you're going to do that, if you're going to follow after the Lord's directive. And here's the good news I find about this battle. Every time you win this battle, Every time you become other-focused, it gets a little easier. And a hallmark of this, in terms of our walk of faith, is humility. Humility is one of the keys to overcoming this battle. And humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less often. I mean, and there's a great difference in that. Humility is not thinking, I'm no good. Humility is not having a really bad self-esteem. That's false humility. Humility is when you think about others. You know, if you walk into a room and you start thinking, what does everybody think of me? Am I really being, uh, you know, witnessed by other people? Are they really seeing me? I mean, that's self-centeredness. That's an egocentric kind of mindset. But if you walk into that room and you're thinking, oh, look at these people that God has made, what, God, do you want me to do to serve these people? How can I love these people? That is a mark of humility. And I know this is a battle that exists and one that we have to war with all the time, this battle between selfishness and unselfishness. Let me give you another example, and that is the battle between forgiveness and bitterness. And, old oh, friends, i got to tell you, in all of the churches I've served, this is one probably that I've heard more about than just about any other. People saying, Pastor, this person has harmed me, and I just can't seem to forgive them, or I can't forget it. I can't cast it out of my mind, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And bitterness has really seeped in, and it still keeps me up at night, and it still harbors in my heart. And this is a battle that we all face, this battle there of forgiveness and bitterness. And you're going to face this many different times in life. And the fact is, we live on a broken planet. And because we live on a broken planet, you are going to get hurt. Sometimes it's going to be intentional. Sometimes it's not going to be unintentional. It's going to be unintentional. And I'm sorry for that. And perhaps some of you have been hurt very deeply in this time of pandemic. Perhaps there's been nasty emails that have been sent. Perhaps there have been other things where you have been hurt and you don't know how to handle it. You know, the Bible says that we need to weep with those who weep. 
We need to mourn with those who mourn. We need to empathize. We need to sympathize. We need to pray with one another. Think of all those one another's in the Bible. You can't control today what other people do. You can't control the other situations of life. You can't control the weather. You can't control what the government's going to do. You can't control the economy, the stock market. Uh, we've talked about this so many times. You can't control all of these things, this pandemic. But you can control your response. You're going to be hurt many times in life, but you know what? You have 100% control over how you're going to respond. A third example I want to give to you today is this battle between what's easy in life and what's right. Now, we're in a Bible study right now, and you're invited to join us on Wednesday evenings, and we've been looking at the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians, we'll be turning here soon to Galatians chapter 5. And I saw this text this week as I've been preparing for that. And it really struck me about this. For Paul says here that what your corrupt nature wants is so contrary to what your spiritual nature wants. And that's what's good and bad in life. And they are opposed to each other. And you know what? That's why we have stress. And as a result, you don't always do what you intend to do. Now, is that a familiar concept? I think we all have to acknowledge that. We have this great uh, list to start our day, and we want to get out, we want to mow the lawn. We want to work in the garden. We want to throw out our mulch. We want to do these things, and whoop, it starts pouring the rain. And we have to head back indoors, and we have to change our plan. We have a struggle with this all the time. And I got to tell you, in the walk of faith, there is this, this struggle, this internal battle for our soul between what is easy, this least path of resistance, and what really is right, what God wants, what we should be doing as disciples. This good and evil, the old and the new nature is battling with us all the time. We've got good intentions and we have these well-made plans. And let me just ask you, how many of you are still keeping with your New Year's resolutions? Here we are in the middle of this year. Are you still following and implementing the New Year's resolutions? You know, we find that even by the 1st of February, 90% plus of people have forgotten even what those New Year's resolutions were. Now, I want to ask you today, how really is it with your soul. There are so many things that we battle as Christian disciples. And I want to say to you, are you using those weapons that God has given to you? You know, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record. I know some of you say, well, pastor, you're talking about this again. You're bringing up some of these weapons, some of these things the Bible says. You've mentioned this before. You know, I get it, move on. But you know what? We need constant reminders. Even those in the military, they're constantly polishing their weapons. They're training with their weapons. They're working. They're going to class. They're listening to the drill instructor to sharpen their skills. You know, uh, on TV this week, they were talking about opening camps this summer. And one mom said, well, how am I going to send my kid to camp? I have to tell them 15 times a day to wash their hands. They're not going to survive. We all need reminded today. And I want to remind you of these wonderful weapons that God has given to us. And I wouldn't be sharing these if I didn't know human nature because I know a lot of times we give these lip service, but do we really use them? Now, as I think about these tools, we think about this text that Paul says in Romans 
or in Corinthians here, chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. He said, though we live in a world, we do not fight in the same way that the world fights. But we fight with weapons that are different from what the world uses. And our weapons have the power of God. What are these weapons? Well, number one, God's word. Friends, God's word, it's where it gives you faith. Uh, the Bible tells us that, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Another incredible tool that you need to use, and that is God's people, which gives you support. I mean, think about it. In, in Philippians, Paul says, we are in this fight together, Philippians 1, 30. Or in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says that you should meet together and encourage one another. We need our small groups. We need to be in worship together. Soon we'll be returning. And how important it is that we have other Christian disciples that we walk this journey with. And that is such an important weapon in our arsenal as the people of faith, as disciples. And then thirdly, God's Spirit, my friends, that gives you power. That really is that source of strength. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. And you need the Holy Spirit not only to just, as I've said before, be a resident in your life, but be the president of your life. And this is the process of what we like to say here, sanctification, where we are not only committed to God, but we surrender our life to God. We become completely sold out to Jesus and allow the Lord to have his way in our life. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you know what? Prayer is a sign of this. Prayer is really a sign that you are depending upon God. And here's the plan. Much prayer, you have much power. Less prayer, you have less power. And, and that's really it. And I ask you today, are you praying? Are you seeking God's Spirit? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to lead your life. Now, I've been reading all kinds of fascinating things. I find myself reading commentaries, reading lots of different devotionals, just turning to a lot of different things. And it's really, in some ways, even though it's been a challenging season for me, it's been a, it's been a good season as I, I've been learning and growing in my personal faith. And I saw a crazy story this week about the cuckoo bird. Uh, you know, the cuckoo bird, I remember when I was a kid, we used to have a cuckoo clock and I read about this cuckoo bird. We don't really have it around our parts as much, but it's prevalent in Europe. It's, it's prevalent in England. In fact, they say it's one of the signs of spring to hear the call of the cuckoo. And you know, the interesting thing I found about this bird is that it never builds its own nest. Can you believe that? And when it feels an egg is, is coming, it finds another bird's nest and it just moves in when the mother bird isn't there and it lays its egg. And of course, the, the, the thrush or whatever bird it is comes back and they're not good at arithmetic and they just get about the business of hatching those eggs. And one day, there's not these four little thrush birds that are hatched. There's a fifth egg that's hatched, and it's this larger bird, two to three times a flush, this cuckoo bird. And the bird goes off, the mother or the papa bird, to get the worm early in the morning. And who gets that 
worm, these four petite little mouths, or the one large cuckoo, this cavernous mouth of this other bird. It's, of course, the bigger mouth. And so I just want to ask you today, these two natures that we have are living in your same nest. These two natures, the old and the new, are living within you. And which one are you feeding? The one that you feed is going to be the one that grows. Now, you might say that our heart is really that battle of Megiddo. It's that final battle, that wrestling with the soul. And how important it is, my friends, that we use these weapons and use them well that God has given to us. That's really my plea for you today. That is my challenge for you today, that you would get to these basic but yet potent weapons that God has for you, that you would read God's Word, that you would live according to God's ways, and that you would use these tools that God has given to you and be in prayer, be with God's people, for it will strengthen your heart and your life. Shall we pray together? Almighty God, we thank you so very much, as we always do. We just, just praise your name for the way in which you sustain us. This beautiful world that you have created, and yet we find some challenges as we wrestle with this freedom that you've given to us. We know there's this war, this tug of war in our flesh. And oh, how we want to win it. We want to be victorious, for you said that those who endure to the end will be saved. And so, Lord, our prayer is for your people today that we will be using those precious tools that you've given us, that we will dive into your word, and that we will be with God's people in small groups, and that we will be led by your Spirit and that you will fall afresh on each and every one of us, that we might be those faithful warriors, those who conquer, and those who go into victory. And we give you thanks for this.